Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord to which I now direct your attention for growth in knowledge of our Savior and our comfort in knowing what he has done for us is that which served as our second lesson this morning, taken from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. And I'd like to read again for you a small section of that text, again, 21 through 23. Paul writes, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness, our holiness before God, my dear friends. This past week when I was on vacation, I had the opportunity to watch a little TV, and there's a Netflix show called Once Upon a Time. Maybe you've heard about it. I saw a small episode of it, and uh, there was a phrase in that episode that I saw which caught my attention. The phrase was this, you are what you have done and what others have done to you. Do you agree with that? Are you what you have done and are you what others have done to you? Let's think about that. Let's examine that to see if it's actually true. So if you steal, what does that make you? A thief. Okay. If you lie, what does that make you? A liar. If you are disrespectful to your parents or your boss, that makes you a brat right? If you harbor envy and resentment and hatred toward another, what does the Bible say that makes you? Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. If you've slept around or if you've held on to lust in your heart and mind for another person to whom you're not married, that makes you an adulterer. So would you agree that you are what you have done? Seems to be true, doesn't it? You are what you've done. Well, what about the second phrase? You are what others have done to you. Have you ever been insulted, made fun of, or picked on because of your looks or your inabilities? Ever happened to you? How does that make you feel about yourself? Do you feel honored or do you feel like dirt? Makes you feel like dirt, doesn't it? Have there been occasions when there are people who have envied you and hated you and made you feel unlovable? I think we'd have to admit that what people have done to us shapes us and impacts us, doesn't it? It shapes how we view ourselves, how we think of ourselves. 
And so, yes, we would have to agree that you are what you have done and what others have done to you. And so if it's true that we are what we have done, that if we've done evil, we are evil, we're evil liars and thieves and sluts and brats, and that we've been treated like dirt and we feel like dirt, is it possible to have any kind of joy in your life? Is it possible to at all feel good about yourself and your future? Seems like there is no possibility for that, right? Well, you and I aren't alone in being treated that way or having a past like we have. The Apostle Paul, the writer to the Philippians, the letter that we are reading from for our series, Finding Joy, um, he had a history, he had a past too. There's some things he had done. In the past, he had rejected Jesus Christ as the Son of God and called him a fraud. And he proclaimed Jesus a fraud. You know what that made Paul? A blasphemer. And on top of that, Paul went around gathering posses together to hunt down Christians, especially Christian leaders, so that he could bring them back to Jerusalem to be put on trial. And his goal was to either have them put in prison or executed. That made him a persecutor, not only of God's people, but of Christ himself. And while the crowds were chucking stones at the first martyr, Stephen, Paul was there collecting the coats. He was condoning and he was trying to support what was happening there that day. That made him accomplice to murder. Paul was what he had done. Then things changed for Paul. Jesus made an appearance to Paul when he was on the road to a city called Damascus. And Paul realized that Jesus was real. And then he was called to faith by Jesus. He was called to be a missionary by Jesus. And then as a missionary, Paul endured some horrible things. Five times, he tells us, he was given the 40 lashes minus one. 39 times each time, right? So multiply five times 39. That's how many times he was whipped. He was beaten with rods three times. Once a crowd dragged him out of a city and pelted him with stones and left him there thinking he was dead. There were some awful things that had been done to Paul. Think he ever felt like dirt? Then on top of it, now he's in prison, being falsely accused of being an enemy of the state. And then to add insult to injury, there are other ministers of the gospel who are trying to dishonor and discredit Paul and his work as a missionary in order to make themselves look better. You would expect Paul to be down on his life, to be down on the Lord, right? Bitter and resentful to God and at God because of his circumstances. 
But that's not the case. Two times in this short text that I read for you, Paul says, I rejoice. How is that possible? How could Paul rejoice under the circumstances he was in after the things he had done and after the things that had been done to him? Today, you and I have the opportunity to learn Paul's secret, the secret to his joy. And it's wrapped up in this one little phrase, for me to live is Christ. It was Jesus who made the difference in how Paul viewed himself and how Paul viewed his future. If you go to chapter 3 of the book of Philippians, of the letter to the Christians in Philippi, there Paul does not identify himself on the basis of what he had done. He does not say he is what he has done. No, he says, what I have done in the past, I reject it. It's garbage. It's rubbish. I am not what I have done. That's what Paul was saying. But I hold on to what Jesus has done for me. His righteousness is mine. And what did Jesus do in his life? Only what is good and right. Only what was pure and blameless. And through faith in Christ, that is how God the Father viewed Paul. And therefore, that is how Paul viewed himself. And you could find joy in that, right? Joy in who he was. And he could let go of the fact that he had been a murderer and a blasphemer and a persecutor. Then on top of that, you had the way Paul was being treated. Okay? Uh, Paul had been falsely accused of being an enemy of the state, He's in prison, and that means being restricted into what you can do, as to what you can do. And there's the stigma that goes with being a prisoner, right? And yet Paul isn't dissuaded by that. He doesn't find trouble with that. But instead, listen to what he says. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Remember what Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Because of Jesus, Paul was viewed in the eyes of God as blameless and pure, so his life wasn't about himself anymore. It was all about the one who made him blameless and pure. It's about Jesus. And that's why even in prison... He rejoiced because now the whole palace guard, the emperor's servants, knew who Christ was and that Paul was there because he was proclaiming Jesus. Good thing, right? And on top of that, there was the impact that Paul's imprisonment was having on other Christians. They were being made all the more bold to proclaim the gospel. Christ was being served. Paul took joy in that. But what about those who were trying to discredit Paul? There were other Christian preachers who were now doubling down and trying to do more in spreading the gospel than Paul had done so that they could brag that they were better than Paul. 
What does Paul have to say about that? But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. People were trash-talking Paul, fellow preachers of the gospel. They're trying to prove that they're better than Paul. superior to Paul, and Paul said, I don't care. As long as they're preaching the truth about Jesus, the Lord will judge their motives. Where was his joy? For me to live is Christ. Paul did not define himself on the basis of what he had done or others had done to him. And nor should you or I. Because what Jesus Christ did for Paul, he did for each one of you. He laid down his life. He covered all of your sin. He took his holiness and he made it yours. And what was yours, he made his. He took the shame, he took the blame, and it's gone from the eyes of the Father. And God doesn't see you as liar. He doesn't see you as thief. He doesn't see you as adulterer. He doesn't see you as lazy. Any of those things. He sees you as hardworking and honest and pure in every way. You are defined by who you are in Christ. And that changes how you live and for whom you live, doesn't it? The secret to joy is a secret that uh, all of us now know and all of us can share in. Let me tell you a story about a former sainted member of Holy Trinity. His name was Ted Holtz. Some of you remember him, Ted. He was a character, okay? He always had something smart to say. Uh, But he was in the hospital. Heart issues. On my second visit to him, he said to me, Hey, Pastor, I know why I'm here. And I thought to myself, Well, you've got clogged arteries, Ted. He said, You know, yesterday, after your devotion, my roommate who listened to your devotion asked me about Jesus, and we talked about Jesus for over an hour. He's back in the fold. He had been in church as a kid, and he had never been back since. And after we talked, his hope is in Jesus now. And you know what I did last night, Pastor? I thanked God for my bad heart. He found joy in his bad heart. Because for him to live was Christ. Every one of us here today has some special infirmity or burden or cross that we carry. Some of you were born with an infirmity that you have had and will have for all of your lives. Others of you in the middle of life have had some kind of sickness or illness that has plagued you and plagued you as chronic and it won't go away. Others of you have to care for those who are enduring and suffering from those chronic things. Some of you are and have been picked on in school, right? You've been made to feel like dirt. That's the kind of thing that happens and it goes on and on. You may ask yourself, why is God letting this happen to me? 
Well, brothers and sisters, know that God is not punishing you by allowing such challenging and painful things into your life. He's honoring you. God has already punished Jesus for your sin. And now through your calling to faith, he is allowing you to carry out your purpose, which is the same as that as the Apostle Paul's, and that is to give witness to Christ. Are you insulted when a coach or a parent or boss asks you to do the challenging, difficult thing? Aren't you honored by that? When you're asked to do that, which very few people are asked to do and capable of doing? In the same way, if the Lord has put you in a challenging station in life, a challenging position in the present, view it as an honor. An honor to be able to let the world see the hope that you have in Jesus in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the struggle. That's a privilege. That's where Paul found joy in his life, in the privilege of being able to represent Jesus and to display his hope in Christ. And that's yours. That's a whole new way of looking at your troubles, isn't it? A joyful way of looking at them. Well, that's the present. But what about the future? The Apostle Paul wasn't certain about his future. He was fairly confident that God would see to it that he was acquitted in his trial and that he would be set free, but God hadn't promised it to him. He didn't know if this would result in death or life for him. But he had this to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me, yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. The verdict at Paul's trial could have been guilty. And if it was guilty, it would have meant death for Paul. And yet that possibility did not rob Paul of his joy, did it? Why? Because to die is gain. Think about it. In this world, while we serve Christ, we have the joy of being able to be his witnesses. But when we leave this world, what's in store for us? Freedom from any kind of infirmity, freedom from the struggle with sinful cravings, freedom from those who persecute us for the love of Jesus that we have in our hearts. With Jesus, there is only love and peace, his light that surrounds us and the fellowship of the saints. That's a wonderful future, isn't it? That future was Paul's, and that future is yours. And doesn't that make you special? Your life is wonderful. To live is to serve Christ. And what can be more exciting than that while you're here on earth? And to die, well, that's even better yet. And that's why Paul said, I, I can't choose between the two. 
And so as you look at your life and you look at your past, you can say, yes, I have done some things that are horrible and wicked, and I'm ashamed of them when I think of them, but they do not define you. You are not what you have done. In Christ, you are what he has done for you. And in Christ, you have a future that is the brightest there can be, right? Living and dwelling in the presence of God for all eternity. And so what are you going to do when you leave church today and get in the car and start driving home? Complain? I hope not. We've got no reason to complain ever, do we? No reason to wallow in self-pity because we are loved in the most glorious of ways and we have a purpose on earth that is the best purpose anyone can have and we have a future that is the brightest that anyone can have. So brothers and sisters, go out and celebrate today. Celebrate the life that God has given to you and celebrate the future that is yours in Christ Jesus and demonstrate the consistent joy that Paul lets us in on in Christ. Amen.